You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Psalms 14. The fool says that there is no God. Verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, and not even one. They have no knowledge. All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. I love that. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. You guys can be seated as I'll pray. God, I pray that uh, this morning that the words that are spoken through this microphone um, would be anointed, that they would be blessed, um, that I would be forgotten. Um, Anything that's not of you, that's not of your spirit, I pray that it would be pushed aside and also be forgotten. God, I pray that you touch people's hearts this morning. Um, And uh, God, you made us be emotional. And um, I pray that for each one of us. Uh, Yeah, that we just leave this place a different person for you. um, We love you. In your name, amen. Um, I'm going to cry a lot, just so you guys know. Uh, and it always happens whenever I'm with somebody else and I talk. <laughs> so maybe, that might be another reason why I don't talk a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was interesting. I was like thinking of like challenges like I could give you guys. And uh, like actually, there was a time that <clears throat> when I was in, uh, I served um, and did missions uh, with youth with a mission and organization um, across the globe. Um, but I was based in Australia, and we just kind of did weird, crazy stuff. But for one, one day, I fasted talking, and little did I know I actually talk a lot. Um, because you give something up like that that you use every day, and at the end, you're like, wow, like, I'm thankful that like, I can communicate and like, I can relate with people in that way. So like, that could be a challenge for you guys. Like, it'll blow your mind. It's pretty weird. <laughs> but... Another thing would be uh, preparing a sermon um, to speak just to yourself, like if you don't tell anybody else. Like, there's a lot of emotion in writing a sermon and like just the preparation into it, whether you prep for an hour or 10 hours, whatever. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to like say this morning is just how thankful I am for Joe. Um, I know that we thank our pastor a lot, but I also want to thank like each of you and what you guys do in your fields of work, because like that's important. And um, so there that is. I just wanted to say that. I don't want congregation to feel that they're forgotten, but I do feel that there's a special thanks that we need to give to Joe, because he pours his heart out every week to prepare a sermon, and it's exhausting, <laughs> and it's emotional, and you don't want to do it. Whether, I mean, we know that he's good at it, right? Like. We know that he speaks well, and like he speaks well of God. He speaks to each of our hearts. Um, 
But still, like, just because he's good at it doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> and I suck at it. And this is really hard. <laughs> so, all right. I wanted to speak out of the message version as well. Um, mainly, I wanted to read out of the ESV, right, because it's the extra saved version. But the message version is the most saved version. So, <laughs> no, there's things that, like, I don't know, I agree with, I don't agree, agree with, but, like, it's weird with poetry, like, this, I feel like it explains it so well, like, to us today, and so that's what I wanted to use. Um, yeah, verses one through two, I'll just read, and then I'll kind of, I don't know, I feel like my job is just to slightly expound on, like, what is read, and then I kind of want to share some thoughts and stories with you guys along the way. One through two, bilious and bloated, they gasped. God is gone. Their words are poison gas, fouling the air. They poison rivers and skies. The thistles are the cash crop. God sticks his head out of heaven. He looks around. He's looking for someone not stupid. One man even, God expectant. Just one God-ready woman. I think... It's just, it's so weird how, like, at this point, like, David is explaining such a corrupt and wicked people, and even before this, God already just completely depleted all existence on earth, except for Noah in that boat, and at this point, it's like, holy smokes, like, to me, if I was God, like, I would do that again, because all the, all the same things are happening. They're just as corrupt people. If you can't even find one person that's good. And like, that's just shows us such a picture of God's mercy and grace and just on us. It's amazing. Um, but then it also shows how God is a promise keeper. And he'll keep that promise even if it hurts him. And all, these, all this creation is against him in a way. Um, I don't know if for those of you that were here last week, uh, Joe spoke on Psalm 13. Um, there's a verse in there that says, uh, verse says, how long must I counsel my soul? And David wrote that as well. Um, and amongst all the toil, um, all the things that David sees, I kind of just want to paint a picture for like the author here, for you guys to see like what's happening in David's life as he's writing this, um, because context is huge and it speaks deeply. Um, David knows he knows good men, but he knows bad men. And just from his different affiliations with them, going from his, his father-in-law um, and his king that chase him down and try to kill him, not once, but repeatedly. And like you think about, like you put your shoes, yourself in his shoes, and that means that you're, you're running away from the city and you're running away from people that you know to be basically an outcast and out by yourself in a dark cave. And like that's where like David is in this instance. He's by himself and he's running from his father-in-law who he loved and his king who he has to serve. And he also has a son that does the same thing. And so he runs away from the city and he's by himself again. And like he's cast out from his son, like David was a king, like he's a great man, 
Like he could do whatever he wants, but circumstances, because David was a bad man, also led him to that. David knows bad men because he was a bad man. He sinned. He killed a man. And like explicitly did so. And then took that man's wife. They had a son. For God's grace, that son even became king. God still blesses David. What the heck? What's going on? Like, and so that man is the man that wrote these things. The depth that he feels is in these psalms. And so I pray that like God just speaks through that, not just from reading, but um, maybe thoughts that God's provoking in you and um, provoking in your heart. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that in 13.2, where it's my own soul. I heard a, called a, a nautical term, like a sailor's term, and it's where when you're uh, sailing in the ocean, there's a place called the doldrums, and it's along the equator. Um, like kind of between North and South America, but it's where the wind is never guaranteed to all of a sudden stops. So you hit the doldrums and you're just coasting. And if you're a sailor, like that's like that means no hope. <laughs> like you're not going anywhere. You're staying there. And I think where it says in chapter 13, no, speak. I know I'm preaching on 14, but like I just wanted to give context with David. David, when he says he counsels his own soul, kind of like blowing into your own sail. You know? Like you got a sailboat, a big old sailboat, and you're trying to blow into the sail to get yourself to move. Like, a little weird, but we do it anyways, right? It doesn't work, but we do it anyways. And I don't want us to, to bypass in those moments, like, our reliance that we need to have on God. Um, Verses 3 through 4 says, He comes up empty, string of zeros, useless, unshepherded, sheep taking turns pretending to be shepherd. The ninety and nine follow their fellow. Don't they know anything, all these predators? Don't they know? They can't get away with this, treating people like a fast food meal over which they're too busy to pray. I don't know if you guys... Um, I've seen or heard of, um, but like, you know how there's a comparison between sheep and goats? Ooh, what's going on? Uh, there's a comparison in the Bible between sheep and goats. And both are related to humans. We are either a sheep or we are either a goat. Um, it's kind of a Jew and Gentile thing as well. Um, but it can be seen as, you know, sheep, like they're kind of dumb. I don't know if you guys have been around sheep. They... If they don't have another sheep to follow, they go nuts, they go ballistic, they don't know what to do. And a goat is an extremely independent, like, you'll find that, like, if you've got, like, a 40-acre pasture, they're going to be out where you can't see them. Like, they're going to do their own thing. And <clears throat> I think it's really interesting and kind of funny, like God humor, where it shows us if we're a sheep or a goat, we're either evil and being independent, or we're really dumb. Like, <laughs> like, we can't win. Like, come on. But it shows, again, our reliance that we need to have on God. <laughs> it's just funny. But no matter how much, like, we think we can do in our own lives, 
We just, we can't do anything. We can't get anywhere without God. In that verse 4, it talks about um, the corrupt. They treat people like a fast food meal over which they're too busy to pray. And, boy, whether this is out of context or not, I pray that it isn't. But, like, how often do we do that? Like, we come into a meal, we get something from McDonald's, and we're like, don't even think about, like, wow, thanks, God. Thanks for this McChicken, you know? Like, I don't know. It's, how does that just bypass our mind? Like, so easily. Like, it's one thing to forget about God completely, but then it's also one thing to, to not acknowledge Him, where He's at, what He's doing in our lives. It's so easy. Life just seems so mundane, and it seems so, like, always the same. And I think it'd be different if we used it as a way to always serve God, constantly serve God. But to not get stuck in living a life of, oh, I have to do this. Like, I have to, it has to be action-based. No. You also just have to believe. But you can't have one without the other. Verses 5-7. through It says, Night is coming for them in nightmares, for God takes the side of victims. You think you can mess with the dreams of the poor. You can't, for God makes their dreams come true. Is there anyone around to save Israel? Yes, God is around. God turns life around. Turned around in Jacob, skips rope. Turned around in Israel, sings laughter. I love it that God is with the righteous. And like there's nothing in ourselves that like we can make ourselves righteous. Like it's Jesus alone. And like all we have to do is ask. But then because we ask, we do things because we love him now. And <clears throat> Yeah, I titled this sermon, message, whatever, as Divine Perspective. And I know that there's a lot of thoughts that are just like thrown out there, it seems. Um, But I pray that God ties them together for you. Um, But I named it Divine Perspective um, because, like, of all, what, two-thirds of this psalm, it seems that it talks about, like, bad, the evil, the turmoil, corrupt. And I wanted it to name a divine perspective because like all those things are happening and all of those things don't matter. Because in the end, as these two verses says, um, at the end of it says, turn around Jacob skips rope, turn around Israel sings laughter. Like that's the hope that we get to have. It's just that there's a but because there's hope that we get to have but right now where we are in life, it's either sucky or there's things that we're going through right now that just blow. Like, my God, I don't want to do this. Day after day, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to go to work. There's just these things that seem so much greater than, like, two-thirds of this psalm. Like, it's such a big thing. Like, evil is so big, and it's so easy to focus on it. But then at the end, that's what matters. And like, that's what God is. Like, that's what God wants to be. And, but it doesn't come easy. So, like, I don't know if you need to hear this right now, but don't give up. And 
as much as you want to, as much as I want to. Like, you don't do anything for yourself. Like, you always, you're always doing it for somebody else. You're always doing it for God. Because somebody else can look into your life and see that, like, wow, like, he's trying. He's trying to make it. And, uh, I think the next sermon I'm going to write, actually, is how to preach through tears. Because <laughs> it sucks, and I suck at it. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's a reason that God even displays just how David authored this psalm as, like, such a big part of it, of people being evil and the world is evil, blah, 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 and it's going to end. But God. But God. God is with the righteous. He's with the good. And all we got to do is try, and all we got to do is ask. And we can just rest in that, and we can rest in God. <laughs> does anybody, like, does anybody view God, God loving them as they think that they deserve? Like, man, I'm, I'm messed up. gonna get me. He's gonna he's gonna give me mine, you know. Like man, I just did it again. Like holy smokes. God's gonna like he's gonna chase me down. And like we kind of put ourselves in God's place as to like how God should react to like the sin that we perform per se. And boy is that not right. Like that is such a lie from the devil. And he only wants us to see that all we do is mess up. All we are is evil. All we do is bad. And, but no, that's not how God sees us. And, I, like, no matter how many times you tell yourself that, like, you're probably still going to go back to what God's going to give me. Like, and I did bad. And I'm going to do bad tomorrow. But, yeah. It's not cool to think that God just, like, chases down, like, your bad parts. <laughs> because he rejoices you in the good. And when he sees you, all he sees is Jesus. I see God as deserting myself because that's what I would do to others that I think deserved it. So then it puts, like David writing this about other people, yeah, these people are wrong, but this is like David expressing his heart and how he sees people, kind of how Joe said last week about like those unfiltered questions. This is just like David's unfiltered perspective on people, society. Yeah, I just, I hate that part of me that would do to others as I think that they deserve. Boy, is that wrong. Like, for me to put myself in God's shoes. So I feel convicted of that and I repent of that. Um, I don't know if you guys struggle the same way as me, but I feel like I'm saying these things for a reason. Um, yeah, we're meant to feel things, and you guys probably knew this was coming. Um, as you guys know, some of you do that. Uh, my wife and I miscarried. <laughs>
and you miscarry. And for the people in here that either have or have a spouse that did or somebody that did or knew somebody that did, I hope I do them justice in speaking about But what happens when you miscarry is you need to take a pill to bypass everything and just pass the child. Or um, you can wait, wait two weeks and see if you pass it. Um, or you can see, you can have a DNC, which is a surgery where they remove everything. And I'm not saying that either one of those is correct, but with me and my wife, um, I felt that God was saying, like, just wait. Like, don't do anything. Wait. And go through these two weeks. <laughs> Go through these two weeks and see you. I want you to feel everything. There's a reason. Thank you. There's a reason it takes time to pass. Just as there's a reason it takes time to get through life and go through the bad things and things that we don't want to. And so we waited. And it sucked. And eventually we got a DNC anyways. But the things we felt together and separate. I know God just wanted to use our story in that. And I hope it felt for those two weeks like we already knew that we lost the baby, but now we're going to feel the pain. We're going to feel the bruise after they hit. Like, yeah, we got hit, but after that, it's like, oh, I don't want to feel it. I don't care if it looks like I got hit, but I don't want to feel it. And uh, I say those things because I hope God speaks into your guys' life. And I know that David felt things in his life like that, and far worse. That dude lived in some, just a big old pile of poo, as I'll put it. And, but man, he rejoiced God in the meantime. So, like, let's, let's not take the big picture of the evil as our perspective. But, like, let's move that and, like, chase God. Like, there's a, it's a just like a motorcycle term is, like, whatever you look at, you're going to hit. Like, sure, there's stuff, like, on the sides. And there's a lot, a lot going on, a lot around you. But if, like, you take your, take your eye off, like, whatever you look at, you're going to veer off and you're going to hit it. And it actually happened to me on a scooter once. And I almost went off a mountain, actually, which was not cool. <laughs> but another story another day. 
Um, so like, just take that analogy and just like, if you look at God, if you focus on God, you don't have to do anything like he's going to bear the fruit in your life. We can't, we can't blow in our own sail. Like, we can't push our own roots down into the soil. We can't push out the fruit in our lives like that God is meant to, to bear for us. And, um, yeah, I guess I'll just leave you guys with that. Um, I don't have much of a conclusion. But um, I wanted to share the verses with you. Uh, I'm going to try to say them off the top of my head, so bear with me. Micah 7, 7 through 8. Um, but as for me, I look to the Lord. I wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise again. And though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything deserving praise, think about these things. Don't focus on the evil. Then in verse 9, it says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do those things and the God of peace will be with you. Man, that feels good. Even though I don't look good crying, it feels good to say that. So, um, yeah, I think now we'll just go into uh, just a time of worship. Um, I know it was probably short, I think. I don't know. Didn't keep track of time. Um, we'll go into worship um, and communion. And, come on, Patrick. Yeah, communion. Growing up, when I did communion, it was uh, kind of like a once-a-month kind of thing. And then I knew of churches that did it every week, and then I knew of churches that did it even fewer and it was like, like, what, what's right? Like, how do we know, like, I mean, communion is communion. Like, it's symbolizing us taking Christ's body and blood. And you think about that, it's kind of weird. But you think about it even deeper. And, like, it's such a special thing to partake in. Like, it's something that we can do in unity as a church. And it's just a beautiful picture of the things that Jesus did for us, the things that Jesus did on earth for his disciples and the people on earth. And so I want, as you take communion this morning, I want you guys to think of, and I love thinking of this, but maybe growing up, I always thought of like Christ on the cross. I thought of pain, I thought of suffering, and I thought of how terrible of a person that I was. Um, but like, what I want you guys to maybe think of now, and I hope that this is like um, divinely said and that God inspires this in you guys, but what I want you guys to think of is like how beautiful Jesus' face is going to be when we see him. And I don't want, I heard somebody say this, but it's so true for myself. I don't want to get to heaven. Man, 
I don't want to get to heaven after living this whole life, whether I die tomorrow or I live for 120 years and oh, I hope I don't. But if I do, I don't want to get to heaven and see Jesus' face and say, oh, if only I would have known. If I only I would have known how beautiful you were and how good you were then I would have done things differently on earth. I would have done more for you because of who you are. I would have done things differently because of who you are. So I just, maybe just pray that like God will show you something about himself, about his character, about what he looks like. But that's all I have to say. And, uh, yeah, pray that God touched you through it. Um, I'm just going to pray quick, and then we'll get into communion. And... Oh, Father, thank you for emotions, even though they come at really weird and annoying times. Um, but Father, I pray uh, just for this time. Now, as we partake in your blood and body, it, God, that you would speak to us, that you would show us yourself. That's the only reason that we're here on this earth, just to see your glory and partake in it and pass it on. And um, yeah, God, I just pray that you bless this time. In your name, amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.